are you a horror hound? Do you like scary movies? Then Moose's Monster Mash is the podcast for you. Moose sits down each month with local and celebrity guests to discuss the things that send chills up your spine. You can find Moose's Monster Mash at electronicmediacollective.com. Check it out before you check out. <laughs> Hi, this is Barry Gordon. I'm the voice of the original Donatello in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Bull Spit with Moose, Turtle Power. Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bulls. Okay, we need to make a couple quick adjustments here, here, and here, and you know what? Yeah, I think that's better. Away we go. Welcome, Moose Pack, to another shell-raising episode of Bull Spit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. From singing and acting to president of the guild, my guest today has done it all. Hell, he's even done machines. But this SWAT cat is getting nothing for Christmas. Allow me to introduce to you the very talented Mr. Barry Gordon. Hey, Moose, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Great. So, it's a weird question. I guess it's a standard icebreaker, but how's the weather? Uh, the weather is nice. It's kind of a little hazy, but uh, warm and uh, kind of nice. Yeah, it's good. I was glad I was able to you... Uh, brought in for this and we'll we'll talk more about them later but turtles was a huge part of my childhood as was i think most anybody who grew up in the uh 80s so this is huge for me thank you um and you you happen to be the first guest i've interviewed that has a golden record <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, I never got the gold record, so I mean, I know it exists, but I I never got it because, truth be told, um, contractually, I was a vocalist. I had the billing of being a vocalist. the The gold record went to the orchestra. In those days, orchestras made records, and it was uh, the Art Mooney Orchestra. So he made all the money and got the gold record, and I got paid just a flat fee. But the original, the original record said the Art Mooney Orchestra vocal by Barry Gordon, and then once it became a hit, they were nice enough. MGM was nice enough to change the label, and so now, if you look at it, it, it has me as have you know being the the person that is on the record but um you know with the art mooney orchestra so uh it was that was a switch but uh it didn't have anything to do with me getting the gold record unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> so so i know i it's there i know it exists but uh i don't have it <laughs> so oh, can't sucks. put it on my wall darn it well, go beat down the doors for Art Mooney's uh, stuff and take it from him. 
Yeah, they're a state. I know. But it was fun to do, and and you know, uh, a fan sent me um, a CD with the top ten Christmas records of all time, and I did not even recognize realized that it was one of the top 10 but it, it is it's like number seven so that's that's fun to have and that i do have in my collection so well i mean nothing for christmas is probably one of the most recognized christmas songs of all time i mean yeah especially for kids yep you, you learn it in school I think that's true and i think especially in the east and midwest i don't know if it did quite as well on the west coast but boy when i go to the east or the midwest so many people know that song i mean yeah we learned it in school you know we would learn it in school as part of our you know christmas programs <laughs> oh it's uh, uh, what not to do <laughs> because because that kid ain't a really nice kid you know <laughs> so you know but yeah but it's that's just, why he's getting nothing yeah it just <laughs> so. it, it but it, it always comes on at Christmas time, and it's one you look forward to listening to every year. <laughs> well, thank you. So, yeah, imagine my surprise. I'm looking through your biography. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's crazy. So what started you down the path of entertainer <sighs> uh, you don't have a long enough show but hey i got basically, all day basically no basically um it really kind of began i mean i i loved entertaining from the time that i could walk and i and it started as a singer and i used to go around to my neighbors and you know basically sing for them <laughs> and whenever they would listen and then one of those neighbors um submitted me um uh, without my my knowledge or my parents knowledge submitted me to something called the ted mac amateur hour which was kind of the early version of you know, American Idol or Star Search or, you know, so it was one of those America's Got Talent. I mean, that's basically it, it had been on the radio in the 1930s. It's called the Major Bose Amateur Hour. But then this guy named Ted Mack took it over and they would travel the country, you know, looking for talent. And and I was submitted. And one day we, uh, you know, a letter came in saying, you know, you've been, you know, uh, you've been um, uh, selected to audition for what was called the tri-state area. This was in New York. It was Albany, Troy, and Schenectady in up, upstate New York because my family was living in Albany at the time. You know, I mean, the thing came in, and, and my my dad said, you know, you want to do this? And I said, yeah, what am I going to say at three, three years old? So <laughs> I went, and, um, and I got on the national show. Um, you know, from competing and I came in second nationally and then um, got on a, a show that was with kid talent out of New York City. You know, the whole family moved to New York City. And then um, based on that, I got a lot of what were called variety shows in those days, you know, which, you know, musical shows like with a host like Milton Berle or, 
you know, Jackie Gleason or those kinds of people. And um, and I would do guest appearances because I was the smallest, youngest thing going, I guess. And it was unusual for a four year old or a five year old to do that kind of thing. And so I did. And then uh, one of those appearances, uh, that orchestra leader was there and he was looking for a kid to do um, the vocal on uh, Nothing for Christmas and said, I want you to do it. So I did. Made 50 bucks and uh, (laughs) and and he built he built uh, he built two hotels in Florida. (laughs) We're off to the races. (laughs) <laughs> but it really was a great kickstart, you know, to my career. And, and from there, I kind of quickly moved into the acting side of things and then just did a ton of, of um, mostly television, some movies. Um, and um, and uh, that was, you know, that's just started a career that went on and on and on and on. So, yeah, you you've. You've been in a lot, whether it's voice acting or on-screen stuff from, yeah, the time you were a youngin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now on IMDb, it has you as uncredited, but you were in uh, Cinderfella with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yes, I was and I was Jerry wasn't. Lewis, not Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I was and then I wasn't. Uh, the reason that I'm uncredited is because I'm not in the movie. Um, what happened was uh, I got hired. I'd done a movie called um, uh, The Girl Can't Help It, which was one of the first kind of rock and roll movies. Um, Fats Domino was in it. And, you know, a lot of the guys from the 1950s, I think Little Richard was in it. Um and Jane Mansfield, and she was kind of the, you know, the new Marilyn Monroe. She was in it. And so um, so I had done that movie, and then the director of that wanted me to play Jerry Lewis as a kid. And I'd actually done a TV thing with Jerry Lewis. Um, and uh, we got on great. And so the combination of that led me to do you know, the role of Jerry Lewis as a kid in Cinderfella. And um, and I had a great time shooting that and, you know, and working with Jerry. And then the movie came out and I was not in it and Jerry was in short pants. So <laughs> playing himself <laughs> as the kid. So that's why I'm on credit in IMDb. I didn't even know, you know, I haven't told that story in about a half a century. But... <laughs> But that was what happened. Well, it's like I saw it, and it's like it, it, Cinderella is probably one of my favorite Jerry Lewis movies. And it's, like, it's a fun film, yeah. And and I think like, it I made don't remember total, seeing him in it. I think it made total <laughs> sense for him to play himself as a kid. I mean, that made total sense. So, so you you did in fact work with uh, Jerry a couple times, though, right? Yes, yes. And actually, actually, that was the only job that I was ever cut out of. So. <laughs> that, it didn't start a precedent. That was good, you know. Was he as zany in real life as he portrayed himself on screen? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh-huh. When when I did when I did Cinderella, by then I think I was about eight. I don't know if I was seven or eight. But when I did when I did Cinderella, 
um, he um, he literally set fire to one of the producers' sleeves <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was he was uh, totally unpredictable, um, and he was always just incredibly sweet to me. And and uh, and I mean, I know I've heard that he was difficult in some ways, but never never with me. So you know, it was a delight to know him, and uh, um, so it was uh, it was really a, a highlight. So I, I I can only imagine. I mean. Seeing his on-screen persona, and even some of like the outtakes with like him and Dean, just the personality that he would exude—I'm not sure I can imagine what that would be like in real life. Yeah, but I mean, you've worked—you worked with a lot of the big stars of the '60s and '70s. I mean, Sid Caesar. Yeah. Uh, Abe Vigoda. Yeah, you were a regular on the uh, new Vic, the the new Vic Van Dyke show. Yeah, the new Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carol O'Connor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been so blessed. I've really been so fortunate to to be able to, you know, starting from the beginning. Um, uh, I was able to to work with um. Um, some people that you, you may not know, uh, one of the great actors from the 1930s and 40s and on, Charles Lawton, and, and I had a wonderful role with him um, when I was a kid. Um, I did a, a an Alfred Hitchcock Presents with Sidney Pollack as an actor, and a lot of people oh. don't know Sidney Pollack as an actor, but he was an incredible director. Um, just became an incredible film director. So I just, you know, it's Jack Benny. You know, I worked with several times, and I mean, to to you know, think about sometimes it's just hard to believe. You know, when I think about the fact that you know I know all those people, then that kind of stopped because the stars of like the eighties, the nineties. So people say, you know, have you worked with Matt Damon? No, <laughs> you know. Have you worked with it? No, you know, you know Charles Lawton, and they say, "Well, who the hell is he?" So, <laughs> you know, so, so that's that's kind of why I retired <laughs> and, and went into other things. Um, but uh, but no, it was an incredible incredible life, and you know, people like Jason Edwards and Kimmy with Van Dyke and, and, you know, I mean, I learned, and I learned so much from them and yeah, you know, I mean, they were my school cause I never went to like acting school. Um, I ended up teaching acting, uh, since, uh, since 2011, but, um, at, uh, at, uh, in an MFA program, but I never, you know, I never really took acting lessons. It was all, you know, through doing it and working with these incredible people and watching them and learning from them. And um, so it's been a, a great life. Um, I don't normally get into this, but it, it, it leads me to a couple of the roles you played. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what is your religion? A Jewish. 
okay. That 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 makes a couple of these roles make more sense then. Mm-hmm. Um, because on Archie Bunker's place, yeah, Rubinowitz. Uh, you were the Jewish attorney, right? And then on uh, you you played a rabbi on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, right. and I was just. There seemed to be a trend, and I was like, well, maybe, but I didn't want to assume, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's called casting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once you've done it once, they want you to do it again. <laughs> and, um, and and in all honesty, it can be a little limiting sometimes. Um, when I was a kid, um, you know, I didn't get roles playing Jewish kids um, because I was told that I was too Jewish. Um, And I'm not kidding about that. I mean, there was really that kind of thing. Well, yes, the character's Jewish, but we don't really want to hire anyone who looks too Jewish. Weird. Yeah. And that was very common, very, very common in those days. Um, And uh, uh, so, but then, you know, you, you do, you, you know, you start to get, stereotyped and um and that did happen i mean when i was a kid and this isn't going to be good because when i was a kid and there was less political correctness and i'm not opposed to political correctness in fact i think that you know non-traditional casting or casting people who are supposed to be the people that they are like casting asians as asians and hispanics as hispanics but when I was a kid, I played everything. I played Arabs. I played French. I played Italian. I played, you know, I played Hispanic. I mean, I did all of that. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, but rarely played Jewish. And then as I got older, um, you know, I would, I would find myself almost exclusively in Jewish roles. Um, but... Uh, but that's what happens. You know, you get typecast, you get stereotyped. That's the great thing about voiceover is you don't, you know, with voiceover, you can play whatever the heck you want to play. Well, and then you managed to get into the Star Trek franchise a couple times. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't look Jewish in those at all. <laughs> I was... <laughs> that's, that's the wonder of four hours of makeup. Um, so, so, uh, I played a Ferengi in one, uh, in Deep Space Nine, and then I played a Bullion in, uh, Voyager. So, yeah, I did, uh, two episodes, and it's really weird, because when I go to cons with the guys, you know, for, for Turtles reasons, there are always people that pop up with stills or trading cards or whatever with my picture on it from those two episodes. So I guess I am part of the, the Star Trek uh, family, although a very, very distant part. But, uh, but yeah, all it was, takes it is one episode, two episodes. Yeah. One in each. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just takes one episode and you're, you're adopted in. Yeah. I didn't realize that. You know, until I started to go to cons, I, you know, I, I don't think of myself, you know, as that, but yeah, I guess you do get adopted in. So, and there's a card with my name on it, you know, (laughs) both of those with my character's names from both of those episodes. So I'm part of the 
Star Trek uh, franchise, which is pretty exciting. Before we dive into your voice career, I want to jump ahead to your run as the uh, president of the uh, Screen Actors Club. Okay. Uh, you were the longest-serving president? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What all do you have to do for that? I mean... <laughs> well, it's not a paid gig. Like, in a nutshell, you know, it's, I mean... <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's not a paid gig. I mean, it is, you know, it is a person... Um, the the paid people do all the work. So, I mean, to be perfectly honest, um, a president can choose to do as much or as little as they choose to do. Um, I actually think that with maybe one or two exceptions, and I'm not going to name names, but I think that before me, um, also with one or two exceptions, um, the presidency of the guild was largely thought of as a figurehead position. It's not a paid position. You know, we have an executive director, an associate executive director. Those are the people that are doing the work, doing the negotiating, um, you know, and a he- with a huge staff. They're doing the administering of the union. So the job of the president really is political. Um, it's really to, um, you know, rally the troops, um, to, you know, get us through strikes, to to do different things. And that's what that's what the job of the president is kind of has always been is to be the symbol of the union. Um, with me, it was a little different because, A, I wasn't a huge star. I was a character actor. And a lot of the, you know, the presidents of the guild in the past have been huge stars. You know, people like, like Charlton Heston and Ronald Reagan and um, and James Cagney and you know, uh, uh, they've been huge stars. But that was, you know, so not being a huge star, I was a character actor. But the other thing was that I was also at the time that I started to get involved with the guild. In fact, one of the reasons I got involved with the Guild was that I was about to go into law school. I'd, I'd kind of have this desire to go into law school. I don't know if I wanted to be a lawyer, but I wanted to, to have that. So um, I'd gone back to school in my late 30s um, to uh, get a BA because I'd had to stop because, or, you know, right out of high school, I wasn't able to complete college because of work was was very heavy at that time and now so in the 80s i went back to school and um and i went into political science uh at cal state oa which is where i ended up teaching and um uh that led to me uh, uh getting recommended by my professors to go to law school and i was pretty old i mean i was going to be 40 soon but i went to law school and during that period i did a a play out here and someone part of the play someone who was involved with the play said you know we have this committee at the guild and which which helps put together the proposals for the next negotiation and you're about to start law school why don't you get involved with that uh with that committee 
He said it might be fun for you, and it was. Little did I know that that was going to lead to me being virtually the national president of the guild, uh, what, two years later, a year and a half later, and through a series of just bizarre incidents, um, which were kind of, you know, that I ended up running for national vice president. Why? I have no idea, but no one else wanted to do it. So they asked me and uh, to run against a certain person, and I'm not going to name that person, but they were trying to find an alternative, and I ran as the alternative, and I won. And then shortly after that, uh, the, the current president, Patty Duke at the time, stepped down uh, to produce, because you couldn't, you couldn't produce and be president of the guild or even be a board member of the guild. And she wanted to produce um, her autobiography as a TV movie. And so she did that, but she had to step down. So, you know, within a year and a half of my first involvement, I was president. And it was weird. But the advantage I had is I was in law school. So everything that I did – and by the way, that's right around the time when Turtles hit too, when it, when when they got me for Turtles. So I was doing Turtles. I was the president of the Guild. I was in law school. All at the same time, um, which was kind of a crazy period, but um, but because of the what I was doing in law school, I think I had more um, credibility to go into negotiations, to actually go into what were called the sidebars, the kind of private groups of two or three that you know ended up actually making the deal, and I was able to do that. So it was a little less of a figurehead and. I think because I was able to do that, maybe I had a lot of confidence from the part of on the part of the members, and and they kept reelecting me uh, until I until I uh, basically stepped down um, to uh, run for Congress, which is a whole other situation, which <laughs> is not the highlight of my life, but uh, I enjoyed doing it anyway. I wanted to be in the SAG history books because up to that point, the two that had tied for the longest running were Charlton Heston and Ronald Reagan, and my goal was to beat them both. (laughs) 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 And I did. That's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, they they kept reelecting me, which was really nice. Really, really nice. Um, And... uh, uh, and it was fun, and we—I think we did some important things, you know. From um, from a pop culture perspective, we did because we started the SAG Awards. But, yeah, uh, yeah, but there were some really important things I think we did in terms of negotiations, you know, that that made some sense, and and it was kind of a time much much more peaceful than the guild had been either before me or after me. So you know, I was fortunate to have a very good good time to work in you know that where there was a lot of harmony and we could reach a lot of consensus on a lot of issues in 86 you were in a movie that i hadn't heard of until i did another interview recently oh my god with uh, michael moynihan with who oh uh, michael moynihan he played lookout bear on zubilee zoo um Oh, my God. I don't even remember that. Together, you guys were in Body Slam. 
That I remember. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> so I actually, I actually met someone several months ago, and for for that person, that movie was the highlight of my career. <laughs> it was like, and for me, kind of a low light. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I, I I am determined to seek this movie out. It is so bad. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, so was Ready to Rumble, but I watched it anyway. Yeah. They, yeah. they have yet to find a way to make a movie where they mix wrestling and... Now, okay, I take that back. The Wrestler was a good movie. Yeah, The Wrestler was a very good movie. Yeah, it was. But w- when you're trying to combine a, a movie around wrestling plots it, it they seem to have difficulties with it mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean the, the wrestlers that were in it with you was phenomenal I mean, you had the wild samoans rick flair well then you might like Piper. the movie i mean if you like wrestling you're gonna probably like the movie but it's just you know i'm i'm not into wrestling so for me, it was just um, – and it had a, – a, the amazing thing was that it had a, a very, very known director, um, Hal Needham, who had done Smokey and the Bandit and you know, Cannonball Run and all of those films with uh, Burt Reynolds. But you know, it, this was – I don't know if this was on the decline of his career, but it was um, – uh, it was definitely not one of his – you know better efforts i don't think <laughs> i just i just remember that we had a scene um in um uh in a big stadium where the wrestling match was going to happen the big climactic uh, you know wrestling match was going to happen and we were in a big stadium and i think they had about 40 extras <laughs> 40 or 50 background players and they just kept moving them around and changing their clothes <laughs> <laughs> and so when i see the movie i say uh-huh, yeah right that's that person again and <laughs> that person again yeah we didn't have a big budget but uh you know you'll have to judge for yourself <laughs> now were you involved in the bar fight that Stop production for a few days. Not at all. Oh. <laughs> In fact, I don't even know if I knew about it. That's a whole new story for me. I... Yeah, apparently there was a uh, bar fight, and so one of the actors ended up in jail. Yeah. No, I was and... playing a Jewish woman. You know, I was still. <laughs> it was still stereotype, you know. So. No, I was still the damn lawyer. I'm still playing a Jewish lawyer, this time kind of a lawyer, agent, manager type. But, yeah. Oh, man. Let's dig into uh, behind the uh, camera in front of the mic rolls. Okay. Was the spot on Jabberjaw your first uh, voice acting gig? I don't remember. I don't think it was. It was probably... Close. I'm trying to think. I mean, my first major um, voice job was actually a commercial. 
which was the Nestle's Quick Bunny. And I was the Nestle's Quick Bunny for, what, 35 years, I think, 36 years. So um, that was my first kind of major voice job because that came off of um, – I, I, I think that that's the first time that I had a voiceover agent. I think I had to find a voiceover agent for that. And so that was um, – that's what I remember. As far as cartoons, was Jabberjaw after or before Pac-Man? Uh before well it might have been it might have been. well you probably know because you've searched imdb so is that the first one that shows up cleveland clamhead rogers yeah I, yeah i guess that was 1976 yeah. well, no it wasn't one episode i did the series oh well see yeah. that's why i don't trust imdb yeah. no i did the series yeah because i played kind of a uh yeah clamhead was sort of like the guy on scooby-doo in fact, he's even drawn similarly to the guy on Scooby-Doo, the tall guy. Oh, Shaggy? Shaggy, yeah. <laughs> so he was kind of their version of Shaggy. The, the Shaggy Jughead archetype? <laughs> yep, exactly. What did you do on Tarzan? I don't remember doing Tarzan. I honestly okay. don't. I, I'm wondering if that's accurate. Because it just says voice, voice, voice. I just don't remember yeah, doing I, I don't remember doing it. And, you know, right now I'm looking at this where it says Barry Vincent Gordon. That's not my middle name. You know, at, <laughs> at one point there's also a Barry Gordon who's a German porn star and his stuff was mixed up with mine. Wow. <laughs> so I've been trying to get rid of that. I think I did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're not entirely trustworthy. Um, but yeah, that must um, have been my first Jabberjaw must have been my first But then we jump ahead to Inky on Pac-Man Inky on Pac-Man, yeah so You got to pay, play one of those pesky little ghosts That are always a pain in the butt on the game <laughs> I know I know, that was fun And also, um, which... I hadn't remembered for a while, but before that, I think I did um, the what the Shazam hour, the Kid Power hour. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I played one of those guys. So, yeah, I played Captain Marvel Junior. Yeah. See, I just had that. Yeah, Captain Marvel Junior and Freddie Freeman. Yep. Well, he is Captain Marvel Junior. Yeah, it's the same guy. So, yeah. Well, I say every so often, I, what I've noticed in some of the cartoons is that have one person voice the superhero and one person voice the uh, um, alter ego. It's like, why? It's the same person. We know it's the same person. <laughs> you can see it's the same person. <laughs> right. You know, it'd be like, I know. okay, you're going to voice Bruce Wayne, you're going to voice Batman. Yeah. You know, that just doesn't make sense. But... I mean, you did the Smurfs, you did Jetsons, you, you've, the amount of shows that, like, I mean, huge shows that you have done. Well, but I wasn't regular on Smurfs or the Jetsons. I mean, I just did guest stuff on there. Well, either way, I mean, it's still, you're still part of, 
but I did do them. Yeah. 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 And getting to work with some of those folks was amazing. The only regret I have is I wasn't, I, I never got involved now. I guess I wasn't old enough to do Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is my, you know, all time favorite cartoon show. So, um, I wish I could have gotten involved at that point, but you know, I wasn't, I was doing other stuff, but you know, that would have been, that would have been fun. That would have been really fun. But uh, yeah, I've been, you know, and and I'm the luckiest, look, I am the luckiest voice actor in in America, if not the world, because, you know, I mean, I listen to guys like Rob and Maurice and, you know, I don't, I have a voice and I get hired for my voice. I mean, you know, people say, do Donatello. This is it. You know, <laughs> you know, I just pitch it a little higher and I do Donatello. So I've just been so lucky. Most of the time, it's my voice. It's a little more nasal or my voice a little lower or my voice a little higher. But, you know, when I try to think about the talent, you know, that people like Mel Blanc and Charlie Adler and Frank Welker, and they have that they're, they're just magicians. And Rob and, you know, I just, um, it bowls me over. I mean, the, the really great, you know, iconic voice actors. And I've had the privilege of working with all of them, but I've just been lucky in being able to do that. But, you know, I definitely do not attribute my voice, voiceover career to a, <laughs> to an ability to disguise my voice thoroughly. I just can't do that. So... Like when you and I talked the first time, you got, you heard me nerd out a little bit because, you know, I, I realized, holy crap, your Donatello is your voice. I mean, yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You know, there, yeah. there, there was, like you said, there's no disguising it. Which is why I guess that, that people recognized what during that period when they used uh, Greg Burke instead. Um, that they recognized that it wasn't the same guy, you know, and, and as much as he was trying to do what I, what I was doing, you know, and that's makes sense because it's just, it's, it's, you know, a, a person's voice is a person's voice. So I, say, I just interviewed him not that long ago. Yep. And he comes close. He does. Yep. But you know, yeah. When you're trying to emulate somebody's actual voice. Yeah, Exactly. You know, it's almost impossible because th- th- there are th- there are going to be slight, not ticks, but different things in your voice that only you can replicate. Mm-hmm. You know, just from mouth shape and the way you form your words and things like that, that somebody else, I mean, they might be able to get the sound right, but the odds of them hitting 100% dead on, it's not likely. Yeah. Swap Catch, you played uh, Razor opposite Charlie Adler. Yep. And, again, that was one of those shows that, as soon as it came on, it's like, I'm hooked. (laughs) I loved Swap Catch. I wish we could do it again. I I really loved uh, doing Swap Catch. It was so much fun, you know, and, of course, working with the incredible Gary Owen. Um, My God, you know, that was amazing. And, um, uh, and that was just a, a fun, fun show to do. 
and um, and there are still people that are nostalgic for it. And you know, they've been trying to get it going again. I don't think they will, but you know, they've been trying to get it going again. You know, maybe a miracle will happen. But but I do get probably after after Turtles, uh, SWAT Cats is the thing that that um, more people come up to to me at, at at cons you know with with pictures so uh, so that was wonderful we only lasted two seasons but it's it's nice that it became kind of a cult show oh yeah i remember it was on cartoon network for the longest time just constantly reruns and it's like all right yeah i've seen it i don't care i'm watching it again you know <laughs> right it was like Biker Mice from Mars, but with a little bit more attitude. Mm-hmm. With you and Charlie as the main two, that your characters were the perfect driving force for the show. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I mean, we, we had a, a lot of fun doing it. And the scripts were fun. The scripts were very good. And, um, you know, and, and having come off of, of um, well, actually, I was, uh, I get, was I still, no, uh, Turtles had finished. Um, and after having come off of Turtles, um, you know, it it was, you know, to get another show like that was, was a lot of fun. Getting to play another kind of superhero um, was a tremendous amount of fun. Actually, it was during Turtles. Um, so it, we, they overlapped. Say before we get into the big one, you did a bunch of I'm assuming one offs and like ADR work on some other big name shows. I mean, there was Tom and Jerry's Kids, Droopy, Master Detective, Batman the Animated Series, Ah, Real Monsters. Yeah, Batman. I had a, a character for the couple of episodes that I did. Yeah, you were sheltered. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, well, what, you know, I don't remember what voice did I do for it. It was my voice. It was my voice. <laughs> I'm seeing this big hulking guy. Hey, guy. Hey, you know what? What's a <laughs> so weird? Anyway, well, let's jump into the. Uh, I'd say, and I think you would probably agree, your most recognized uh, show: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Yeah, definitely from a voiceover perspective, absolutely. Well, and it's not just, like, one or two voices either. It's Donatello and Bebop, and then a crap load of incidentals. Oh, yeah. Of course, that, that was you know, pretty common in those days. You know, I yeah. mean, we would, we would just, you know, you, the, you know, Sue would come in and, and you know, just say, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do that, you know. Whoever, whatever the other characters were in the script, and we just, you know, split them up, and that's that's one of the most fun things about voiceover because you never know what you're going to do until you walk in and do it, and that's that's always fun is doing those incidental characters. Because yeah, I mean, there was the blue android, an alien, yeah. Vane Krangazoid, uh, scumbag, dementia, dark turtle, Willy Wombat, duplicate Donatello, Mister Big. Turtle Wrestling Announcer, Dr. Lisseau, Fingers, Lieutenant Bronsky, Super Bebop, Vinny, Radio DJ, First Gunman, Supermarket Robber Number One, <laughs> not to be confused with Foot Soldier Number Two. Yeah, right. 
So we know Donatello is your voice. Yeah. Where did Bebop come from? From the picture, you know, from looking at what he looked like. And, um, you know, he's a warthog, right? So basically he's big. He's stupid. And when I think of big and I think of stupid, then I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go to the lowest voice that I can come up with. And then since he's, you know, he has those things and he has that kind of, you know, so I put the little that into it and that basically became Bebop. You can't see my face right now, but I'm like ear to ear. <laughs> um, and don't ask me about the other characters because I have no freaking idea what I did. <laughs> I wasn't even going to try. Okay. Yeah. Well, what did Foot Soldier 2 sound like? No, I don't know. <laughs> Hello. I have no I'm idea. Foot Soldier number two. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, you guys uh, seem to have. One hell of a group chemistry between you and the other three guys on that show. And I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, uh, you know, it's it's interesting what happened with us. We came together. Um, we basically, all of us read for all of the turtles initially. And... Um, and when I read, I, I kind of, you know, left saying, I want Donatello. I want Donatello. I mean, to myself, you know, after I read for all of them in the agent's office and I said, that's the one I want. If I get any, you know, I really want Donatello because I identified with him. He's kind of geeky. He's, he's into science. I'm not, but I'm into, you know, reading and politics and all of this stuff. And I was, you know, about to actually, I just started law school. So all of that, you know, said, I really want Donatello. So I did get cast as Donatello. Um, and then, of course, and you probably already know the story, that they hadn't made up their minds who was going to play Leonardo and who was going to play Michelangelo. And so that happened at the first session where um, I think it was uh, Townie. Uh, kind of they said, well, we're going to try both of you guys. And they just tried Townie on. Michelangelo and and uh, and they never left it. You know, it was like, okay, we don't have to go back and forth. That's that's Michelangelo. So, um, but Rob and I, we we knew which characters we were doing. But yeah, I mean, it was bliss. I mean, to walk in with those four guys, and then the amazing thing is that you know we we totally lost touch with each other. As happens in this business, you don't, you know, if you don't see each other, you don't see each other. And we totally lost touch with each other until I got a call a few years ago saying that uh, there was an attempt to um, have four turtles together, the four original voices at different Comic Cons. And so we had a dinner. Uh, actually, no, it started with Rob's show. It started with Talking Tunes. And he had started that show, and he said I want, he wanted to – he found me and said, we, we want to get together. 
And from that moment now, we have been buds like we've never left. I mean, it's just incredible that, you know, I mean, when we go to cons, it's like four brothers, you know, it's the four musketeers. And we really, really feel that way. And, and, and it has been such a blessing because I'm an only child and now I have three brothers, you know, and now we're in touch all the time. And it's, it's so great. And yeah, we, we had that chemistry in the beginning. It stayed and now it's back. And so when we got to do the new turtles, you know, with the old turtles uh, and, and got to do those episodes, boy, what a joy. I mean, to work together again and to do that, it was just, um, you know, it is, it really is um, an incredible highlight in my life because of the, not the, just the talent, but the people, you know, and those four guys and the way I feel about them and Renee and Pat and Peter and, and unfortunately our, our wonderful departed Avery and James. And, and so, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was an amazing thing, but the fact that the four of us now, you know, are, you know, moving into, well, I'm well into my senior years, they're moving into their senior years, um, are, <laughs> you know, texting and doing stuff and, you know, and having fun and, and, you know, and really kind of reliving, not just not reliving, but kind of, of um, continuing uh, this amazing relationship um, has just been uh, an extraordinary thing in my life and, uh, and one that I'm really grateful to have. Well, and Rob's so busy, you can't nail him down. That's hard. It's true. I mean... I think someone's going to actually have to nail him down. Yeah, you literally do. Yeah. <laughs> you would literally have to do that. Yeah, I know. I know. But, um, but boy, what, what great guys. Like, it came through on the show. I mean, the way you guys played off of each other. You know, I know the, the a lot of it, you know, there was the writing. But... I don't think it would have came across as well if the four of you didn't have the relationship that you do. I think that's probably true. Um, I, I think that is probably true. There is something to chemistry, and I think we definitely had chemistry. We also did do, you know, for a cartoon show, we did quite a lot of improvisation, especially early on. Um, we were kind of asked to back off of that a little bit, but, you know, we were still able to, to do some things that, um, that weren't on the page and, uh, and, and find ways to relate to each other that weren't entirely on the page. So that, that continued. And, um, and I think that made a difference too, because it gave a, a sense of freedom to the show that a lot of cartoons didn't have at that time. Well, and I could be wrong, but I think the more successful cartoons and TV shows are the ones where the cast genuinely get along with each other, have fun, and at the end of the day, want to go back the next day, and it's not just a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And 
especially looking at the interviews you guys have done and, you know, seeing the videos when you reconnect, you can definitely tell that's where you guys were at. You know, you, you wanted to hang out each day. You wanted to interact with each other. It wasn't just, okay, I'm going, I'm clocking in. Yeah. I'm here to be Donatello for X amount of hours and I'm going home. You know, it's okay. I'm going to go hang out, hang out with the guys. I'm going to be Donatello while I'm at it. You know, that's what it, that's what it seemed like to me. Well, I'm glad then we, you know, then we did what we, I think, set out to do because I think it was really important to that show that we come off as a family. And And uh, it it worked. Yep. Now, this has been a blast. And like I said earlier, I could probably do this all day. (laughs) Well, it's been fun, Moose. It really has. I've, I've enjoyed it. Do you have, as I know with COVID and everything, everything's been locked down, but do you have any upcoming projects or anything coming out that you can talk about or? Not really. I mean, I'm basically retired. Um, and, um, uh, well, actually, uh, I did come out of retirement to do something. Um, there's a game, an online game called Checks Quest which is sponsored by, I guess, checks, obviously, check cereal or whatever. And uh, I, they, they tracked me down to do a couple of voices for that. So I did, uh, and that will be up at some point. Um, but I, I'm, basi- yeah, I'm basically retired. I'm not seeking work. Um, as I said, I, I uh, moved into teaching. A, a friend of mine recruited me to teach uh, film acting for the Master of Fine Arts program at Cal State LA. And, uh, and I was, d- did that. Um, and, but now I've retired from that and I'm reading and binge watching and enjoying life. So, you know, I mean, I'm 71. So, you know, I'm kind of comfortable kicking back and, uh, and enjoying my life. So that's what I'm doing. Are you on social media anywhere? Not actively. I'm on, but I'm not active <laughs> um, on social media. But yeah, I'm really bad at. I'm just not active in social media. I get lazy. So. Well, actually, I'm on Twitter more probably than anything else, but that has less to do with my career. Um, I have a. Uh, I have my, my Twitter feed is left field Barry. So that tells you all that you need to know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> see, yeah, I'll, I'll make comments from time to time, but even that I don't do very frequently. Well, in this day and age, it's, you end up making the same ones every day. That's the problem. You're right. Yeah. There, there, there gets to be a lot of sameness to it. Very true. Well, folks, if you're lucky, you can find him on social media. (laughs) Uh, You can find me on Twitter at the handle Moose Media Inc. Barry, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And mine too. Mine too, Moose. I really enjoyed it. You brought back some memories for me. I'm I'm glad. And that's why I like doing this. I learn things. I get to stir up memories with the guest. You know, it, it's fun times to be had by all. Well, you also do your homework, and not everyone does that. 
So I I really really love that. Thank you. So and Mooseback, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. If you didn't hear it here, probably just a load of bull spit. So until next time, take her easy. Ooh, that sure was some bull spit. But I sure had fun. Junior, you need help. Be sure to tune in next time. George, it's Donatello from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How you doing, man? I just had a great interview with your dad. We had fun. We talked about all kinds of things and turtle secrets, so ask him about it. Anyway, good to talk to you, George. Turtle power!